0: section thirty three of the awkward age by henry james this LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by anna simon book ninth vanderbank chapter three very different was mrs brooke's welcome of the restored wanderer to whom in a brief space she addressed every expression of surprise and delight though marking indeed at last as a qualification of these things her regret that he declined to partake of her tea or to allow her to make him what she called snug for a talk in his customary corner of her sofa. He pleaded frankly agitation and embarrassment, reminded her even that he was awfully shy, and that after separations, complications, whatever might at any time happen, he was conscious of the dust that had settled on intercourse and that he couldn't blow away in a single breath. She was only, according to her nature, to indulge him if, while he walked about and changed his place he came to the surface, but in patches and pieces. There was so much he wanted to know that, well, as they'd arrived only the night before, she could judge. There was knowledge, it became clear, that Mrs. Brooke almost equally craved, so that it even looked at first as if, on either side, confidence might be choked by curiosity. This disaster was finally barred by the fact that the spirit of inquiry found for Mitchy material that was comparatively plastic. That was, after all, apparent enough, when at the end of a few vain passes he brought out sociably, "'Well, has he done it?' Still, indeed, there was something in Mrs. Brook's face that seemed to reply, "'Oh, come, don't rush it, you know,' and something in the movement with which she turned away that described the state of their question as by no means so simple as that. On his refusal of tea she had rung for the removal of the table, and the bell was at this moment answered by the two men. Little ensued then for some minutes, while the servants were present. She spoke only as the butler was about to close the door. "'If Mr. Longdon presently comes, show him into Mr. Brookenham's room, if Mr. Brookenham isn't there. If he is, show him into the dining-room, and in either case let me immediately know.' The man waited expressionless. "'And in case of his asking for Miss Brookenham?' "'He won't.' she replied with a sharpness before which her interlocutor retired. "'He will,' she then added, in quite another tone to Mitchie. "'That is, you know, he perfectly may.' "'But, oh, the subtlety of servants,' she sighed. Mitchie was now all there. "'Mr. Longdon's in town, then?' "'For the first time since she went away. He's to call this afternoon.' "'And you want to see him alone?' Mrs. Brooke thought." I don't think I want to see him at all.' "'Then your keeping him below... is so that he shan't burst in till I know. It's you, my dear, I want to see.' Mitchy glared about. "'Well, don't take it ill if, in return for that, I say, I myself want to see everyone. I could have done even just now with a little more of Edward.' Mrs. Brooke, in her own manner, and with a slow headshake, looked lovely. "'I couldn't.' Then she puzzled it out with a pause. It even does come over me that if you don't mind-what, my dear woman, said Mitchy encouragingly, did I ever mind? I assure you, he laughed, I haven't come back to begin. At this, suddenly dropping everything else, she laid her hand on him. Mitchy love, are you happy? So for a moment they stood confronted. Not perhaps as you would have tried to make me. Well, you've still got me, you know. Oh said Mitchy, I've got a great deal. How, if I really look at it, can a man of my peculiar nature—it is, you know, awfully peculiar—not be happy? Think, if one is driven to it, for instance, of the breadth of my sympathies. Mrs. Brooke, as a result of thinking, appeared for a little to demur. Yes, but one mustn't be too much driven to it. It's by one's sympathies that one suffers. If you should do that, I couldn't bear it she clearly evoked from mitchy a definite image it would be funny wouldn't it but you wouldn't have to i'd go off and do it alone somewhere in a dark room i think or on a desert island at any rate where nobody should see where is the harm moreover he went on of any suffering that doesn't bore one as i'm sure however much its outer aspect might amuse some others mine wouldn't bore me what I should do in my desert island or my dark room, I feel, would be just to dance about with the thrill of it, which is exactly the exhibition of ludicrous gambols that I would fain have arranged to spare you. I assure you, dear Mrs. Brooke,' he wound up, "'that I am not in the least bored now. Everything's so interesting.' "'You are beautiful,' she vaguely interposed. But he pursued without heeding. "'Was perhaps what you had in your head that I should see him?' She came back, but slowly, however, to the moment. "'Mr. Longdon? "'Well, yes. "'You know he can't bear me.' "'Yes, yes,' Mitchy was almost eager. "'It had already sent her off again. "'You are too lovely. "'You have come back the same. "'It seemed to me,' she after an instant explained, "'that I wanted him to be seen. "'Without inconvenience, as it were, "'either to himself or to you. "'Then,' said Mitchy who visibly felt that he had taken her up successfully. It strikes me that I'm absolutely your man. It's delicious to come back to a use. But she was much more dim about it. Oh, what you've come back to. It's just what I'm trying to get at. Van is still then where I left him? She was just silent. Did you really believe he would move? Mitchy took a few turns, speaking almost with his back presented. Well, with all the reasons after which, while she watched him, he was before her again with a question. "'It's utterly off?' "'When was it ever really on?' "'Oh, I know your view, and that, I think,' said Mitchy, "'is the most extraordinary part of it. "'I can tell you it would have put me on.' "'My view,' Mrs. Brooke thought. "'Have you forgotten that I had for you, too, a view that didn't?' "'Ah, but we didn't differ, you and I. "'It wasn't a defiance and a prophecy.' you wanted me i did indeed mrs brooks said simply i didn't want him for her i mean so you risked showing it she looked surprised did i again they were face to face your candor is divine she wondered do you mean it was even then mitchy smiled at her till he was red it's exquisite now well she presently returned "'I knew my van.' "'I thought I knew yours, too,' Mitchy said. Their eyes met a minute, and he added, "'But I didn't,' then he exclaimed. "'How you've worked it!' She looked barely conscious. "'Worked it?' After which, with a slightly sharper note, "'How do you know, while you've been amusing yourself in places that I'd give my head to see again but never shall, "'what I've been doing?' Well, I saw, you know, that night at Tishy's, just before we left England, your wonderful start. I got a look at your attitude, as it were, and your system. Her eyes were now far away, and she spoke after an instant without moving them. And didn't I, by the same token, get a look at yours? Mine? Mitchy thought, but seemed to doubt. My dear child, I hadn't any then. You mean that it has formed itself, your system, since... He shook his head with decision. "'I assure you I'm quite at sea. I've never had, and I have as little as ever now, anything but my general philosophy, which I won't attempt at present to go into, and of which, moreover, I think you've had first and last your glimpses. What I made out in you that night was a perfect policy.' Mrs. Brooke had another of her infantine stares. "'Everyone that night seems to have made out something. All I can say is, that at any rate,' she went on, "'but in that case you were all far deeper than I was.' "'It was just a blind instinct, without a programme or a scheme. "'Perhaps then, since it has so perfectly succeeded, the name doesn't matter. "'I'm lost, as I tell you,' Mitchy declared, in admiration of its success. "'She looked as before, so young, yet so grave. "'What do you call its success?' let me ask you rather, mayn't I, what you call its failure.' Mrs. Brooke, who had been standing for some minutes, seated herself at this, as if to respond to his idea, but the next moment she had fallen back into thought. "'Have you often heard from him?' "'Never once.' "'And have you written?' "'Not a word, either. I left it, you see,' Mitchy smiled. "'All to you.' After which he continued, "'Has he been with you much?' She just hesitated. As little as possible, but as it happens he was here just now. Her visitor fairly flushed. And I've only missed him. Her pause again was of the briefest. You wouldn't if he had gone up. Gone up? To Nanda, who has now her own sitting-room, as you know, for whom he immediately asked, and for whose benefit, whatever you may think, I was at the end of a quarter of an hour, I assure you, perfectly ready to release him. He changed his mind, however, and went away without seeing her. Mitchy showed the deepest interest. And what made him change his mind? Well, I'm thinking it out. He appeared to watch this labour. But with no light yet? When it comes I'll tell you. He hung fire once more, but an instant. You didn't yourself work the thing again? She rose at this in strange sincerity. "'I think, you know, you go very far.' "'Why, didn't we just now settle,' he promptly replied, "'that it's all instinctive and unconscious. "'If it was so that night at Tishy's—' "'Ah, voyons, voyons,' she broke in. "'What did I do even then?' He laughed out at something in her tone. "'You'd like it again all pictured.' "'I'm not afraid.' "'Why, you just simply, publicly, took her back.' "'And where was the monstrosity of that?' "'In the one little right place. "'In your removal of every doubt. "'Well, of what?' "'He had appeared not quite to know how to put it, "'but he saw at last. "'Why, of what we may still hope to do for her. "'Thanks to your care, there were specimens.' "'Then she had the look of trying vainly to focus a few. "'I can't recover them one by one,' he pursued, "'but the whole thing was quite lurid enough to do us all credit.' She met him after a little, but at such an odd point. "'Pardon me if I scarcely see how much of the credit was yours. For the first time since I've known you, you went in for decency.' Mitch's surprise showed as real. "'It struck you as decency?' Since he wished, she thought it over. "'Oh, your behaviour. "'My behaviour was my condition. Do you call that decent?' "'No, you're quite out.' He spoke in his good nature, with an approach to reproof. How can I ever? But it had already brought her quite round, and to a firmer earth than she clearly preferred to tread. Are things really bad with you, Mitch? Well, I'll tell you how they are, but not now. Some other time? On your honour? You shall have it all. Don't be afraid. She dimly smiled. It will be like old times. He rather demurred. For you, perhaps, but not for me. In spite of what he said, it did hold her, and her hand again almost caressed him. But till you do tell me, is it very, very dreadful? That's just perhaps what I may have to get you to decide. Then shall I help you? She eagerly asked. I think it will be quite in your line. At the thought of her line, it sounded somehow so general, she released him a little with a sigh yet still looking round, as it were, for possibilities. "'Jane, you know, is in a state.' "'Yes, Jane's in a state. That's a comfort.' She continued in a manner to cling to him. "'But is it your only one?' He was very kind and patient. "'Not perhaps quite.' "'I'm a little of one.' "'My dear child, as you see.' "'Yes,' she saw, but was still on the wing. "'And shall you have recourse?' "'To what?' he asked, as she appeared to falter. "'I don't mean to anything violent, but shall you tell Nanda?' Mitchy wondered. "'Tell her—' "'Well, everything. I think you know,' Mrs. Brooke musingly observed, "'that it would really serve her right.' Mitchy's silence, which lasted a minute, seemed to take the idea, but not perhaps quite to know what to do with it. "'Ah!' "'I'm afraid I shall never really serve her right.' Just as he spoke, the butler reappeared, at sight of whom Mrs. Brooke immediately guessed. "'Mr. Longdon?' "'In Mr. Brookenham's room, ma'am. Mr. Brookenham has gone out.' "'And where has he gone?' "'I think, ma'am, only for some evening papers.' She had an intense look for Mitchy. then she said to the man, "'Ask him to wait three minutes. I'll ring.' Turning again to her visitor as soon as they were alone, you don't know how I am trusting you. Trusting me? Why, if he comes up to you? Mitchy thought. Hadn't I better go down? No, you may have Edward back. If you see him, you must see him here. If I don't myself, it's for a reason. Mitchy again just sounded her. His not, as you a while ago hinted. Yes, caring for what I say. She had a pause, but she brought it out. "'He doesn't believe a word.' "'Of what you tell him?' Mitchy was splendid. "'I see. And you want something said to him?' "'Yes, that he'll take from you. Only it's for you,' Mrs. Brooke went on, "'really and honestly, and as I trust you, to give it. But the comfort of you is that you'll do so if you promise.' Mitchy was infinitely struck. "'But I haven't promised, eh?' "'Of course I can't till I know what it is.' "'It's to put before him—' "'Oh, I see. The situation. "'What has happened here today? "'Van's marked retreat, and how, with the time that has passed, it makes us at last know where we are. "'You, of course, for yourself,' Mrs. Brook wound up, "'see that.' "'Where we are?' Mitchy took a turn and came back. "'But what, then, did Van come for?' If you speak of a retreat, there must have been an advance. Oh, said Mrs. Brooke, he simply wanted not to look too brutal. After so much absence, he could come. Well, if he established that he isn't brutal, where was the retreat? In his not going up to Nanda. He came, frankly, to do that, but he made up his mind on second thoughts that he couldn't risk even being civil to her. Mitchy had visibly warmed to his work. Well... "'And what made the difference?' "'She wondered. "'What difference?' "'Why, of the effect, as you say, of his second thoughts. "'Thoughts of what?' "'Oh,' said Mrs. Brooks suddenly, "'and as if it were quite simple, "'I know that. "'Suspicions.' "'And of whom?' "'Why, of you, you goose, "'of your not having done.' "'Well, what?' "'He persisted, as she paused. "'How shall I say it, The best thing for yourself, and of Nanda's feeling that. Don't you see? In the effort of seeing, or perhaps indeed in the full act of it, poor Mitchie glared as never before. Do you mean Van's jealous of me? Pressed as she was, there was something in his face that momentarily hushed her. There it is, she achieved, however, at last. Of me? Mitchie went on. What was in his face so suddenly and strangely? Was the look of rising tears, at sight of which, as from a compunction as prompt, she showed a lovely flush. "'There it is, there it is,' she repeated. "'You asked me for a reason, and it's the only one I see.' "'Of course if you don't care,' she added, "'he needn't come up. He can go straight to Nanda.' Mitya had turned away again, as with the impulse of hiding the tears that had risen and that had not wholly disappeared even by the time he faced about. "'Did... Nanda know he was to come. Mister Longdon, no, no. What's she expecting, Van? My dear man, Mrs. Brooke mildly wailed. When can she have not been? Mitchy looked hard for an instant at the floor. I mean, does she know he's been and gone? Mrs. Brooke, from where she stood and through the window, looked rather at the sky. Her father will have told her. Her father, Mitchy frankly wondered. "'Is he in it?' Mrs. Brooke had at this a longer pause. "'You assume, I suppose, Mitchy dear,' she then quavered, "'that I put him up.' "'Put Edward up?' he broke in. "'No, that of course. "'Put Van up to ideas.' He caught it again. "'About me? "'What you call his suspicions?' He seemed to weigh the charge, but it ended while he passed his hand hard over his eyes, in wariness, and in the nearest approach to coldness he had ever shown Mrs. Brooke. "'It doesn't matter. It's everyone's fate to be, in one way or another, the subject of ideas. Do then,' he continued, "'let Mr. Longdon come up.' She instantly rang the bell. "'Then I'll go to Nanda. But don't look frightened,' she added as she came back. "'As to what we may, Edward or I, do next, it's only to tell her that he'll be with her.' "'Good. I'll tell Tatton.' "'Mitchy replied. Still, however, "'she lingered. "'Shall you ever care for me more?' "'He had almost the air, as he waited "'for her to go, of the master of the house, "'for she had made herself before him "'as he stood with his back to the fire, "'as humble as a tolerated visitor. "'Oh, just as much. "'Where's the difference? Aren't our ties "'in fact rather multiplied?' "'That's the way I want to feel it, "'and from the moment you recognize with me.' "'Yes?' "'Well, that he never, you know, really would. He took her mercifully up. There's no harm done, Mitchy she thought of it. It made her still hover. Nanda will be rich. Toward that you can help, and it's really, I may now tell you, what it came into my head you should see our friend here for. He maintained his waiting attitude. Thanks, thanks. You're our guardian angel, she exclaimed. At this he laughed out. "'Wait till you see what Mr. Longdon does.' But she took no notice. "'I want you to see before I go that I've done nothing for myself. "'Van, after all,' she mused. "'Well?' "'Only hates me. "'It isn't as with you,' she said. "'I've really lost him.' Mitchy, for an instant, with the eyes that had shown his tears, glared away into space. "'He can't very positively, you know, now like any of us. "'He misses a fortune.' "'There it is,' Mrs. Brook once more observed. Then she had a comparative brightness. "'I'm so glad you don't.' He gave another laugh, but she was already facing Mr. Tatton, who had again answered the bell. "'Show Mr. Longdon up.' "'I'm to tell him, then, it's at your request?' Mitchy asked when the butler had gone. "'That you receive him. Oh, yes, he'll be the last to quarrel with that. But there's one more thing.' It was something over which of a sudden she had one of her returns of anxiety. "'I've been trying for months and months to remember to find out from you.' "'Well, what?' he inquired, as she looked odd. "'Why, if Harold ever gave back to you, as he swore to me on his honour he would, that five-pound note.' "'But which, dear lady?' The sense of other incongruities than those they had been dealing with seemed to arrive now for Mitchy's aid. The one that, ages ago, one day when you and Van were here, we had the joke about. You produce it, in sport, as a fine for something, and put it on that table. After which, before I knew what you were about, before I could run after you, you had gone off and ridiculously left it. Of course the next minute, and again before I could turn round, Harold had pounced on it, and I tried in vain to recover it from him. But all I could get him to do... Was to promise to return it straight to its owner... Mitchie had listened so much less in surprise than in amusement that it apparently, after a moment, re-established the scene. Oh, I recollect. He did settle with me. That's all right. She fixed him from the door of the next room. You got every penny, every penny. But fancy you're bringing it up. Ah, I always do, you know. Some day. Yes, you're of a rigor. But be at peace. Harold's quite square. He went on and I quite meant to have asked you about him. Mrs. Brooke promptly was all for this. Oh, it's all right. Mitchy came nearer. Lady Fanny? Yes, has stayed for him. Ah, said Mitchy, I knew you'd do it. But hush, they're coming. On which, while she whisked away, he went back to the fire. End of section 33